Welcome to yet another episode of Wonder Soul. Football season is upon us. I hope to see what you humans see in this sport as I watch games and download and collect more information. From what I have collected it seems to me that the game of life is a lot like football. You have to tackle your problems, block your fears, and score your points when you get the opportunity. This episode Bearded Buddha and his friend Grant will discuss the upcoming season. Mainly focusing on the Southeastern Conference. We hope you enjoy. May your team have much success. By the way, this episode is coming out earlier so it is not 24 but 23. Sorry for rambling. Enjoy episode 23 of Wonder Soul, College Football. Welcome to Wonder Soul, a weekly podcast series featuring topics ranging from anywhere from geek culture, gaming, movies and television, music, sports, and of course, life's passions and experiences. Wonder Soul is created and hosted by me, Bearded Buddha. This is episode number 24, titled College Football. Today I'm joined with my good friend Grant, and we're going to sit down and talk about the upcoming 2018 college football season, uh, mainly focusing on the SEC. Uh, we're going to talk about really all the teams uh, across the nation and just kind of give our, um, our uh, I guess, summary and predictions for what we expect from uh, the upcoming football season. So uh, welcome to the show, Grant. Thank you for being on. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. And um, sports is one of the things that um, I can talk a lot about. So there you go. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> we'll say some right. shit that you guys like, and we're going to try to hit on um, the whole Southeast Conference that's kind of... Me and Luke have uh, grown up in the South, so these are the teams that we know most about. So hopefully, you know, as, as big as Alabama fans as we are, uh, we're going to try to be, you know, just try to stay neutral and kind of give a little insight on all the teams coming up. So hopefully, no matter where you're from, you get a little bit from it. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, definitely. I mean, I know that uh, we recorded, like, one of the first recordings ever was when I came over to your place for the uh, – the championship game, right? We did. Was it for the Alabama championship? Yeah, we did game? a pregame, uh, a half halftime, and a postgame, and it was uh, it was a shit show. And it's 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 um, fun as as much fun as we had. It's probably better that we didn't air that episode um, because uh, <laughs> yeah, we were... it was it was uh, it was funny. It, it, it's in the vault somewhere. We'll have to we'll have to bring it out someday. Well, yeah, that it was a, it was a we'll dramatic to... win, and um, I'm pretty sure we were drinking as well. So it yeah, it got sloppy kind of quick, but we had a lot of fun with it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and you were on the LeBron James episode, so this is uh, this is fun to have you back on for uh, to talk some sports. Man. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Um, I said my two cents about LeBron, and not that anybody cared, but there you go. <laughs> so we're gonna tr- <laughs> we're gonna try college football now, um, and I probably yeah yeah. 
probably a little bit more thorough with this one. So there we go. Yeah, same here. So uh, what did you want to kick off this episode with, Grant? Uh, well, really, um, let's keep this short and sweet to a point because I know we are going to ramble. Um, really, just going to focus on week one matchups. Um, obviously, in the SEC, we got some cupcake games coming up. We're going to have some obvious season openers that won't be much competition, but there are a few gems in here um, that I think are just going to make for really good football. Um, maybe some matchups that okay. people aren't giving that much credit to that I think will – uh, like I said, turn out to turn out to be some just really fun games to watch, which is what football season's all about, man. So um, yeah, really just kind of want to hit on like who everyone's playing in week one, and uh, some side notes. We also have six new coaches to the SEC, so there's a lot of new faces oh. to a lot of new programs, and um, along with that, new schemes, new offenses, new everything. So it's it's really going to be you know is. You know, as much as we, it's gonna be a different. Yeah, different, as much as we learn to expect certain things year, from the SEC, you know, just with different looks from coaches yeah. and these teams. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, every year, you know, we get to see something new, and this year with this many new coaches, I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, what what gets thrown our way and what we get to see. So, yeah. Um, can I can I ask you something absolutely. real quick? Because right, I know we are going to be kind of bouncing all over the place. We're going to try to stay pretty focused, but. Um, that's a lot of new coaches, you know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Like, what, do you think that's like the? Um, I like to think of it as like a the Saban effect, where the SEC or really any college program um, out there in the nation is trying to find their Nick Saban, like that coach of that caliber, and so like expectations are really high, and you don't really have a lot of time to. Um, iron out any of the kinks or anything you know so with all these new coaches you think that's just like a lot of these programs reacting to like yo we need to we need to step up our game like we're we're not on the same level yeah do you think it's more of that or is it just like it's time for a change regardless of who the top dogs are in the nation or especially in the sec well um i wouldn't like, I love Nick Saban. I want to go as far as saying it's a Saban effect. Because um, you got to think a few years ago, the SEC itself was on an eight-year run. Um, Urban Meyer of Florida had won uh, two or three championships of Florida. And then, of course, mm-hmm. Alabama reacting to that and Auburn reacting to that, hired some new coaches. We hired uh, Nick Saban. Um, but one stat that does stick out, obviously, when you refer to the Nick Saban effect, quote-unquote, um, back uh, every coach – or excuse me – Excuse me. Every school since 2007, since the year that Saban arrived at Alabama, every single school in the SEC has hired a new head coach at one point in time. So every school has switched up coaching staffs since Saban has come to Alabama. Every single one of them. Um, so yeah, it's it's a trend that's going to keep on happening. Um, you know, there's a few schools within that time era. You know, Saban's going on 10 years now. Um, there's some coaches that have, or excuse me, some schools that have changed coaches uh, twice or almost three times already um, because of that. And Alabama is just consistent. And of course, I think with any conference, when um, you can definitely see this with Auburn, uh, when you have your neighbor that's doing so well and is starting to win championships, that motivates the other school to step up their game. And uh, you know, and yeah. not saying Auburn's tailing Alabama; they're both extremely competitive. Um, and Auburn beat Alabama last year, so you can say they're neck and neck, but. Um, Alabama gets new facilities, Auburn gets new facilities. If Auburn does this, Alabama does this. It's vice versa. It's very brotherly. But 
at the same time, the whole SEC does that. And um, you can also see it, um, and I won't harp on this too much, but if you want to go back and count up the total number of coaches that coached under Saban that have left number one for other head coaching jobs or have left to become better assistants at other SEC schools. So if they're not trying to copy Alabama, they're trying to get coaching staffs. They're trying to learn that, uh, to learn the environment, learn the culture that Alabama has. And it's not just with Alabama, but any team that is having a dynasty run, if this was, you know, I'm – I'm sure Urban Meyer was doing the same thing when he was winning three championships of Florida. He had the, you know, the Tim Tebow years and then, you know, all that above. So all that and above. So it's um, absolutely, I feel like success is only going to motivate other people to be successful. And it's, it's just going to raise the bar. You know, absolutely everyone's chasing after it. Um, more or less with, like, recruiting and everything, too. Because that's one right. thing about Nick Saban that, I won't try to harp on this, but you're looking at a man who went five years in a row with the number one recruiting class and just had, last year, had the fifth-ranked recruiting class. And to Alabama fans and to Nick Saban, that's trash. And that's been the worst recruiting class ranking we've had since he's gotten here. So um, definitely Saban's raised the bar, but uh, there's enough programs out there with enough support that they nobody's too far behind it. People may say that, but really it's teams are catching up, you know, and – that's well, what makes college football it, fun. Can, let me ask you this. So out of the – you said six new coaches that were hired Out of 14 year, teams right? in the SEC, uh, six okay. new coaches are here this year. So, you know, almost half of the SEC has switched head coaches. So, but – So are any of those names, any of those coaches stand out as, like, uh, a coach that could turn a program around or um, – evolve it into a uh, to be on that level as some of the top teams uh, that have been successful in the SEC. Oh, hell yeah. Like, do any of those coaches seem like they're they, they have that potential? Absolutely. Um, and here's the thing. I've um, The biggest one to me that was kind of a shocker, we have one coach that has gone from – well, we have two coaches that went from the SEC to SEC. Um, the biggest one for me was Dan Mullen to Florida. Um, Dan Mullen was at Mississippi State the past few years. And the thing I really respect about Dan Mullen is that Mississippi State's a great school. I'm not knocking them. But as far as the recruiting aspect, Mississippi State's at Starkville. There's nothing there. Um, And you're trying to recruit these 18-year-old kids, like, into the boondocks of Mississippi. Now, give Dan Mullen credit. He's had a wonderful program the past few years. He's been winning a a decent amount of games. I mean, he's had winning seasons. Um, Alabama barely slipped by last year. They had a touchdown in the last 30 seconds of the game, if I'm not mistaken. It was under a minute left, and Alabama was able to come back and win. Um, so what scares me is that at Mississippi State, he was able to, you know, when Dak Prescott was there, he was able to utilize him. They won a bunch of games, and he's consistently put a good product on the field. But now here's the problem, and it's not a problem. It's a problem for me as an Alabama fan. But Dan Mullen is now in Florida, and he is at a bigger school He's at a, uh, a school that has more of a winning reputation and a winning culture, going back to Steve Spurrier in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and overall, the biggest factor is recruits. Florida is um, probably the number one yeah, – I'm, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I know Florida, Georgia, and Texas are probably the three states in the country, along with California, if it makes four, that are the top recruiting grounds and the most fertile recruiting grounds uh, in the country. And so now you, you throw yeah. uh, somebody who's already a good coach, who's already coached in the SEC, you throw him into an SEC program in Florida that has a winning culture, and you put him closer to the top-ranked recruits. So Dan Mullen's probably on my list of being able to 
really put something scary on the field, and Florida Florida fans should definitely be excited. Um, this is a coach who has experience, like I said, in the SEC, who's played against these teams. Um, look for Florida to have a quick turnaround, and let me look at this real quick. Florida last year finished finished the year overall four and seven. So Florida fans expect mm-hmm. a winning season this year. Absolutely, uh, Dan Mullen has enough to bring to the table to definitely help the program. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and, and you know that whole state, like we saw like last year, Miami started to make a turnaround. You know, Florida State's always been um, a competitor. And so, like, that state is just full of, like, really good college football programs. And um, UCF, right? Uh, UCF yeah, had a really well, well. that was with uh, Coach uh, Coach Frost. Am I saying that right? But he just left and went to Nebraska. Mm. Um, and that's another thing. I won't harp on this too long at all, just a few seconds. Um, yeah. With Florida State having a new coach, with Frost leaving UCF, um, Mark Rich is the only other threat as far as in-state schools, in my opinion. And you have Lane Kiffin at FAU, which is making a lot of noise. Um, but as far as recruiting goes, Dan Mullen also is set up to have a really solid year in recruiting. Florida State, people mm. have questions about Taggart. Like, there's, it's yet to be proven, which, um, coming from Oregon, I don't know too much about the guy. Um, but I know he's a solid yeah. hire. He brings brings good attitude to the table. And, uh, uh, and will do good for Florida State, I think. But I think Dan Mullen is going to have the edge in a lot of different areas this year as far as being the new name to a new, you know, new name to an old program. And uh, like I said, things are just kind of lining up for Florida and Dan Mullen. And um, like I said a few minutes ago, I really expect Florida to surprise some people this year. Maybe even, maybe even, I don't know, it's pushing it to say they'll sneak into the SEC championship. But if Dan Mullen gets them right, they have the talent there to do it. So it'll be very fun to yeah, see what they do this year. Definitely. That, that, the East, you know, that East is – been kind of notoriously uh, weak over the past. You couple still years, got Georgia in the East, though, and that well, we haven't got to them yet. But geez, you know, that's a yeah. tall order. So, um, well, since like I guess what we'll do is we'll go ahead and just keep touching on these new coaches and the new school, and then we'll go into like week one and okay. stuff like that. So, who replaced um, Dan over at Mississippi State? Okay, uh, okay, he was replaced by Joe Moorhead. Um, from a little I've read about Moorhead, he's, he's a solid hire. He's a safe hire. Um, okay. uh, he has not been a head coach at FBS program. He was at Fordham um, from 2012 to 2015, which is a Division II program. Um, and then he was offensive, quarter, offensive coordinator excuse me, uh, the past two seasons for Penn State, which they were having um, a good bit of success over there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, my biggest thing with him is that with, with – Coming down to the SEC, it's kind of a wake-up call. Um, and what I mean by that, you know, I'm not trying to be too biased toward my conference, but the, the fact is people play different down here. Uh, it's a whole different mentality. Uh, you know, a perfect example, and I, I won't try to take too much time on this, was Brett Belima. Uh, Brett Belima came from Wisconsin and, and had a – just was kicking everyone's tail out there in the West at Wisconsin for years and then came down to Arkansas, and I really respect him for this. He wanted to come where the toughest football was, and he wanted to put his name up there with the rest of them. Um, but three, I think three or four seasons went by, uh, and just nothing ever happened. He could never transition what he wanted to see on the field um, against these SEC coaches. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. It, he, I think he has a lot to prove. Um, obviously, I've already hit it on some of the struggles he's going to go up against, which is recruiting in Mississippi State. I think it's just tough. He, I mean, even an Ole Miss. Ole Miss is like – 
uh, out, out there in Oxford, and it's like they're a huge party school, which I'm not dissing them. It's a it's a hell of a fun place to be. Um, but it's to me, it's easier to recruit in Oxford. It's easier to kind of see Ole Miss and get them out there uh, compared to Mississippi State. So he obviously has some challenges, but um, he'll be a fun one to watch just to see how how he how he comes up and what he puts on the field. He's kind of an unknown a little bit, so um, time will tell with him definitely. Now, did Ole Miss get a new coach? Okay, so, of course, the allegations from Hugh Freeze and um, hookers on cell phones and all that fun stuff, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, all that happened. So, um, Ole Miss decided to hire Matt Luke, which was their offensive coordinator, why Frost was there. Um, okay. Matt Luke also spent some time at uh, Tennessee – as a uh, recruiting coordinator and tight ends coach. So um, he was under Philip Fulmer, who was uh, very successful at Tennessee and won a lot of games with them. So he, he does have experience. Um, he has uh, He's familiar with the SEC. He's not a stranger to it. Um, once again, it was a safe hire. He, they brought somebody within the organization who, first of all, saw how much trouble they got in. So I think they believe he can kind of clean up what's going on. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and number two, he won the last four games of last season against Kentucky, uh, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and I only have three teams written down. So I guess they won their bowl game, too. Sorry about that, ladies and gents. Let me let me ask you this real quick before we move on. Um, when it comes to, like, replacing your head coach, uh, if you were in charge of a program, would you more than likely choose to pick somebody who was already in the program, or would you look – elsewhere like out and try to find a completely new uh different person uh or do you think it's like that decision is really based off of who's out there in the market so if you don't really see anybody worth uh that time and money and you go and look at your offensive or defensive coordinator somebody a position coach and you just go well you they have potential and we can get them for fairly cheap and that will give us time for the market to open up i mean do you think it's uh, more of that that plays into that decision? And, and what kind of decision would you lean towards? Would you play with those factors, or would you feel more comfortable with hiring within that organization? Sure. Um, okay, so this is kind of a, a really a, a situational question. Okay, so if you have a coach, true, true. all right, we're, we're a school that just let their, their head coach either got a new job or whatever. Um, your head coach is leaving. You, you're you know, you're responsible for hiring a new guy. Biggest thing is the coach leaving, was he successful? Was he winning 10 to 12 games a season, which is a shit ton of games? Um, okay, Ole Miss's uh, stance. Okay, you had Hugh Freeze, which was bringing Ole Miss uh, some serious success that they haven't had in a long time. They're, you know, they were winning 8 to 10 games a season. They, they were in contention for the SEC. They, they, were, they were in the talk every year that Frost was there. Or not Frost, sorry, Hugh Freeze. And kind of similar. Um, yeah. And so it depends on who's leaving, how much success that they have. Was it a successful program? Um, if Nick Saban left tomorrow, obviously you're going to want to find a staffer or a coordinator that's been under him the whole time who's familiar with his culture and how he did things. Now, if you're letting go of a coach who completely sucked, you, I mean, you, you want something brand new. You want to start from scratch. Um, and going back to what you said, really good point. It really depends who's on the market. You know, um, you, you know if, if, if you have a – if you have a big time, a big name coach, and you and you're a decent sized school, and you and your your alumni association and the board, if y'all can have the money to throw out that big name, um, like a Jimbo Fisher or or like a, a, a Frost, you know, coming out, um, 
if if you see like a really promising candidate, yeah, you'd go that route. But I mean, it's I guess to summarize this this answer, it's really what was what you were left with. Were you left with a lot of success, yeah. or did you boot out the coach because um, because he was terrible? And if that be the case, you want to start fresh. You want somebody with a different mentality because obviously what that coach and what his staff brought to the table wasn't cutting it out. You know, wasn't working out. So um, you definitely want something new in my opinion. So it really, yeah. really just kind of, you know, depends on how the coach leaves and what he leaves right. behind. It's kind of, to me, if I was a athletic director, that's really the factors I would look as hard as I could into to figure out what my next step is. Well, and then one of the benefits of keeping somebody who's already there mm-hmm. is with recruits. You know what I'm saying? Like you have that familiarity, you have, um, what these players that are coming in, the players that are there, they already are um, familiar with that coach. Like the LSU guy, the guy uh, who took over for Les Miles, right? He was the defensive coordinator, right? Or something like that. I don't know much about yeah. it. But, you know, the guy with the raspy voice. Well, he's Cajun. And one thing about Coach Ogeron, like, he's LSU man through and through. He's, he's a Louisiana guy yeah. in Louisiana. And, like, it's like, to me, he is – really fit for the team it's just i think uh, lsu has won too many games though um and is as good as lsu their fan base is awesome they're they're like out of everybody in the sec they're probably my most heated rivalry with alabama but at the same time uh-huh. they that that program's not going to have the patience like just because you're a a local boy and you speak the language if you're not translating that on the field lsu's not going to put up with you too long i think this is definitely yeah. a big year for coach o um, he's really going to have to bring some stuff to the table. He's going to have to show he can win games. Because um, LSU, just, they have the money. They have the resources. Um, they have a great school and a great program there that they will not have too much trouble going after another coach. Um, it's a lucrative job at LSU. It's in the best conference in the country, and um, there you go. So he, he, he has a lot to prove. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, this, um, if you want to just like kind of run through the new coaches, uh, that we haven't discussed already and then we can, uh, we can move on to some other okay, stuff. Okay. Well, we've, but, um, yeah, just, uh, cause we could probably go in depth on each and every one. Uh, well, and, uh, don't, don't, yeah, don't go that far. I'm, you know, I love sports guys. I'm not a genius. So that some of these coaches that they're, they're uh, still new to me, it's all good. um, and I still have a lot to learn, but I will let you, I'll give you as much knowledge as I can about these guys. So, of course, Dan Mullen right. went over to Florida. We, we know a good bit about Dan Mullen. He's been in the SEC. We've already kind of hit on Joe Moorhead for Mississippi State. Um, Matt mm-hmm. Luke from Ole Miss we just talked about. Um, next would probably be uh, Tennessee's Jeremy Pruitt. Now, for those of you all don't know, mm-hmm. he's you know he's from Alabama. He was defensive coordinator. There's not much to talk about here. Um, he's, he's a great coach. He's a great recruiter. Um, he's, he's been with Alabama. Alabama. Uh, don't, maybe been with Auburn. He's he's danced around SEC teams for years. Um, he's, he has a good head on his shoulders. He's he's aggressive. He's he's a good coach to have. I think Tennessee picked a good one in Jeremy Pruitt. I'm not going to harp on him too long at all. Um, to me, he's but they had a lot of pressure, right? Well, absolutely, Tennessee is another school that's that's you know old success and old money. Um, Tennessee during the former years was dominant. Uh, Peyton Manning. You know, we, we can go back yeah. that far. That, but Tennessee is one of those teams that, as well that has the money, has the alumni support, that uh, if Jeremy Pruitt, you know, this is his first year, so let's not let's not harp too much on this. You know, we're, we're going to give him, I'm, I'm sure Tennessee's going to give him at least two to three years. But 
Um, biggest thing about Tennessee, let me look at their overall record. Okay, last year they were 4-8. and eight. That's the big thing. They, they mm. won six to seven wins. They want to be in the, you know, if not winning championships or SEC championships, they want to be in the talk. They want to be fighting for it because the past few years she's been tough on them. Um, in the pet, the few years before that as well. So, um, yeah, because they were pretty overhyped before that. I would well, say. like there was all these expectations, you know. Well, there was uh, Derek Dooley, um, Kiffin. You've had a plethora of coaches since since Fulmer left, and they're really trying to find their their groove and and who they want to be in there. But I think Jeremy Pruitt coming from Alabama, uh, being around that culture, learning, knowing what he knows and the knowledge he has. Um, he's gonna put some. He's gonna put a solid product on the field. Maybe, maybe better than we're giving him credit for. Um, once again, one of these coaches yeah. that, that we're gonna have to see. You know, a few weeks into the season, we're kind of we're gonna have a good idea of what he's putting on the field. Um, so enough about him. Uh, next, let's. I just want to hit on this a little bit because I do not know much about this guy. Uh, we're looking at Chad Morris. This is Arkansas's new head coach. Now he's replacing mm. Brett Belima, which I said. Uh, Came, came from the West. Um, really tried to give it a shot, put his name in the ringer uh, as far as being an SEC coach and competing with at the highest level. Um, it didn't work out. He uh, he just had a few mediocre seasons at Arkansas. Um, let's see, last year they finished four and eight. So um, you know, just not a good season. Um, and once again, Arkansas. Jeez, <laughs> um, uh, I just went like uh, not Bob Jones. Goodness gracious. Uh, Jerry, Jerry Jones from Dallas. You know he's an alum, he's an oh, alumni yeah. from Arkansas. Uh, another school that is a lot of tradition. A lot of good players have come through there. Um, a lot of good alumni. You know they they wanted a new coach and they they uh, went with Chad Morris. Uh, he is coming from SMU the past three years. Um, his first season he went two and ten. His second season he was five and seven. His third season he was seven and five. And uh, He's known as uh, it's a constant improvement. Constant improvement. He's known as an offensive mind. Apparently, that's his big uh, his big pitch um, as a coach is just uh, knowing how to run an offense. He was offensive coordinator under Dabo Swinney at Clemson between 2011 and 2013. Um, so three seasons there. Um, so you know he's he's Dabo Swinney's been on the up and up. Uh, of course, and like I said, this guy has head coaching experience, and he seems to be doing fairly well. At a school like SMU, um, you know, they're they're in some good competition. They play some big games, and um, they play Texas, and they play some others, but um, he's definitely going to see an increase in competition now that he's in the SEC. That's obvious. Um, but he does have big ties with Texas, um, and then he also has ties even going back to Gus Malzahn back in the early days. So he's definitely an offensive mind. Um Look, look for the spread offense, uh, look for motions, look for a really high-paced offense, kind of what we see out of Auburn, what we used to see out of Florida. I think that that's kind of what he's going to bring to the table, another up-tempo offense. And once again, we'll kind of see we'll see how it goes. Alabama's always had a lot of trouble with them. Um, and if everyone knows if you have a decent quarterback and you can run that spread, and if you can do it even half-ass, if you have somebody who can do it well – it's amazing how many games you can win with that spread offense. So I'm definitely mm-hmm. interested to see. Um, like I said, I don't know a lot about Chad Morris, but I, I'm going to keep an eye on him. And once again, kind of like Jeremy Pruitt, we're going to see what he puts on the field. Um, and yeah. then last but not least, I know I'm jumping from uh, team to team, but like I said, I'm trying not to bore the hell out of you guys or rant too much about one thing. <laughs> oh, you're good. Um, you're good, brother. I talk a lot. All right. 
Um, last but not least, <laughs> Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. Now, everybody in the SEC mm. knows a good bit about Jimbo Fisher. Um, he's been right below the SEC for the past few years at Florida State. Um, I'm kind of confused about this shit. I ain't going to lie. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Um, from 2000 to 2006, he was offensive coordinator at LSU. Um, Nick Saban, back in 2001, had a championship there. Muschamp was a coordinator. Um, so, obviously, Muschamp has been a part of uh, – Muschamp, Jesus Christ. Muschamp was on that coaching staff. Note that. <laughs> he was there, but I'm talking about Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher was there, excuse me, and he was offensive coordinator. Jimbo Fisher's been around big-time programs. Uh, not only that, but then he went over to uh, Florida State, which, of course, he was under the late great Bobby Bowden, um, which even when he was coaching there, that, I think FSU, of course, and people around the program definitely knew that Bobby that Bobby Bowden was going to retire and Jimbo Fisher was that next guy. Um, yeah. You now, of course, uh, I think uh, I think this th- – sorry, the – Dates I have here are 2011-2017, who's head coach at Florida State. Um, the reason I'm confused by this is because being a head coach at Florida State, I thought he had all the control he wanted. Um, Florida State is a beautiful campus and a beautiful place and a beautiful state with a shit ton of great recruits. It is, it's a really <laughs> solid, located school. And not only that, but you're, you're in the ACC. I'm not downplaying it. You still have Dabo Sweeney with Clemson. You still have Mark Rich down there in Miami. But it ain't the SEC, okay? It ain't us. And you you had a good situation. But apparently, um, from what I've just read, and of course, I'm sorry if I'm surprising some of you guys, I'm not, I don't have really any great intel on Florida State. I don't have friends there. But apparently, you know, the big thing was he wanted more control. Um, And Texas A&M was willing to give it to him. Uh, Going back to, like I said, about the programs and the alumni, Texas A&M, just, I'm going to put it out there. Since Johnny Manziel and Kevin Sumlin, um, since they started winning games, Texas A&M, um, you know, before that they moved to the SEC, but they've been dumping a lot of money into the football program. Renovated their stadium. Um, it is actual, absolutely nuts to play there. They're loud as hell. Um, great environment. Great college football, uh, period. Texas A&M it, it is having a lot of fun right now, and they should. It's They're on the up and up. Um, but my yeah. thing is with Jimbo Fisher um, – you know, it, as far as tools go, you had everything at Florida State. You had what you needed to to be a successful coach and win championships. Um, I don't give a shit. You can't argue with me about that. Like, it, it, it was a great school. It's Florida State's not lacking in anything. Um, but yet you go to Texas A&M. Um, you're starting off fresh. You're in Texas, which is also another land of great recruits. But coming from Florida, I kind of say it's kind of half and half there because Florida and, Florida and Texas are – to me, Florida may have the edge as far as better recruits. Um, but, you know, you're coming into the SEC. Now you're playing uh, You're playing Malzahn now. You're playing Saban. Um, you, I, I, feel, I feel like you got a taller order than you did at the ACC. I think um, you're really going to have to back your shit up. Because he came over here, they just threw a crap ton of money, 75, 79 million, something like that. Um, mm. Just an ungodly amount of money to, to come coach. That and is. You know, good for you, Jimbo. Now, you better show some shit. You know, for for you know, for all the noise that you've made for coming over to Texas A&M for number one, letting Florida State just you know have a terrible rest of the season. Now, coming from an Alabama fan, I'm sorry we hurt your quarterback in the season opener last year. One intentional shit mm-hmm. happens, 
But after that, Florida State just had a piss poor year, and it's just like, you know, I, I can't. I, I'm not saying it happened, but it. Any you ask anybody who watched Florida State for the end of the season, it's like Jimbo had given up on him. He was he was already out the door, and um, so with his situation, he's a good coach. He's proven he can win games. Um, I'm not discrediting him as a coach at all, but at the same time, the way you left Florida State, uh, you, you've come into the lion's den. You got to carry your weight, man. Um, you, yeah. you have the contract, you have the facilities, you got everything you can need. Uh, there is no excuse why you shouldn't win games now. And obviously, his first year, I don't expect him to go to a championship. But as, coming from an Alabama standpoint, it's I was kind of like one more great coach that we have to play every year. And um, yeah. you know, it'll be interesting to see. Jimbo Fisher is going to put a good team on the field. That's common sense. Um, it's not going to be garbage. It's not going to be trash. Um, but uh, that was a little redundant. But I get that. But he do you think that 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 was the best hire out of the uh the ones that have happened in the offseason um god that's a really good question um yeah yeah for them let go of kevin sumlin um which poor kevin sumlin just his defense is what got his ass fired he just he had johnny manzel but he's always struggled with the defensive side of the ball that's the problem with texas a&m that's what's lost the games in the past few years um, they've had no problem scoring points, but they've had problem keeping points off the board. Um, and I think Jimbo Fisher's gonna. That's gonna be the big thing that Texas A&M wanted to see was a strong defense because um, that's gonna be the mm-hmm. big differential. But like I said, it's it's time to put up or shut up for him, man. It's um, yeah. he's gonna have to have a winning season his first year. I mean, expectations are that high. Um, it, it it'll be, and I'm not trying to talk so long term, but a year or two, I'm interested to see, you know, where he finishes in recruiting this year. Um, there, there's still yeah, a lot to be definitely. told about the story of Jimbo Fisher and te- Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, and time will tell. Let me let me ask you this now because uh, that that pretty much covers like all the new hires. There's because um, we'll just stay focused on the SEC right now, and then we'll, we can move on into the 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 bigger picture with uh, the other schools in the nation and stuff. Um, can we talk about Ohio State? But what schools uh, did we leave out as far as like not talking about because they didn't hire coaches? What do we got? Is South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Missouri, okay. Auburn. Uh, I have to look up. Is that about it? On. I can't Georgia. Coach right now off the top of my head. Sorry, Vanderbilt. No but shame. like, well, well, not really. Like this, we don't have to focus on coaches. Just the, those teams in general, because um, uh, you know. Okay, sure. Uh, well. The, yeah, well, well, Vandy, they're bringing back the same coach. Um, started off the season last year undefeated, four games in. Um, mm-hmm. Then, as all good teams do, they say, we want Bama. Got that ass beat. <laughs> and they finished up the season 5-7. <laughs> and seven. Um, But, no, Vandy's on – Vandy, the, the coach there, he's um, – I'm going to have to look. I'm going to have to Google. Yeah, Vandy's on the up and up, man, if they can. They could, they could almost, like, take really like- – um, the the fact that Tennessee has been kind of on a on a downward spiral, honestly, that they could like be that school in that state if they if they really wanted to, but it's it looks like you know it's going to get harder now that Tennessee. Their head coach is Derek Mason, and I I've, like. I've always wanted them to do well. Yeah. There's these um, smaller, well, yeah, like smaller. Um, Schools that are, you know, compared to like the LSU's, the Auburn's, the Alabama's, and Georgia's, all that, like they always kind of seem like they're, they're just the, um, the sidekicks of the SEC, and sure. it's 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 always encouraging to see them, uh, do well. Like Kentucky, you know, Kentucky's a mainly a basketball 
school focused, you know, on their program there. But um, it would be really good to see all these schools do sure. well. Well, you um, got to understand Van- Vanderbilt. Of, first of all, you got Derek Mason's head coach. Which shout out Derek Mason, awesome coach, awesome intensity. And okay, Vanderbilt's always a unique situation, and you got to respect Vandy for for what it is. Vandy yeah. is a, number one, a phenomenal school. But they're known for their medical field. It is harder to get into Vandy than it is probably to get into Auburn and Alabama. I'm actually going to go on the record. I'm, I'm, well, I'm like 95% sure that's 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 the case. <laughs> uh, Vandy's yeah. more of a pre- prestigious school. And with that, no offense to athletes. I used to, I'm a, I was an athlete myself. Um, it's hard to get in. Um, not only is it tough to recruit to a small smaller school that's not as established, um, but then you got to worry about getting them in grade-wise. And – even at your biggest schools that are the most popular, they still have trouble with getting kids academically eligible. So uh, Vandy, yeah. the it's twice as hard. And so when they – for last year, they go – like first four games, they won out. They lost to Bama. Like, they, so, so what? They lost to Bama. A lot of teams do. But they're, they're putting a good program on the field. Derek Mason knows what he's doing, and he works really well with what he has. Um, and it's the same thing with uh, – <coughs> excuse me. Penn State's head coach was at Vandy for two years. Um, some people use it as a stopping ground, but like Vandy's always interesting to me because they some games they play like Vandy, but then some games they they play like they're the best on the country. So as far as them coming back this year, they got the same coach, same scheme. I think they're only going to get better. Um, Vandy's one of those teams that'll ruin your Saturday. Uh, this one thing I love about the SEC: you can never count anybody out of this league. You can never. Get too cocky or confident with anybody because um, it's any right, given Saturday. Sure. You'll get your butt handed to you. And Vandy's, Vandy's going to be one of those teams that I think they could do it. They finished last year 5-7. and seven. They finished above Tennessee. They had a better record than Arkansas. Um, they Ole Miss was 6-6. Six and six. So, I mean, they're, they, could, they could ruin somebody's day. I, I would never count them out. Yeah. Much respect for Derek Mason, though. He, he's, he's got something good going on there. He's going to continue to build on it. Um, what do you think about um, like Mizzou and Kentucky? Um, Kentucky, we have uh, Mark Stoops, Bob Stoops' brother, still over there, who's the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always rooted for Kentucky. Okay, Kentucky, Kentucky fans out there, I'm not gonna talk about basketball. Y'all beating my team so many times in basketball tonight, funny. Um, but anyway, hey, when it comes to football, I've watched for years. No matter who's coaching at Kentucky. They almost beat Auburn every time. It always comes down to like a minute in the fourth. Kentucky's beating Auburn, and every time Auburn gets out of it. I remember when they had Cam Newton. Um, Kentucky had Auburn like beat with like a minute left. Of course, Cam Newton uh, did what Cam Newton does best and came back and won that game. And I remember just sitting there on the couch. I was like, damn it, Kentucky. Give me something. Like, I'll go buy a blue shirt with a, you know, with a tiger on it if you just pull out this win. Um <laughs> Yeah. But Kentucky, they've always been, to me, they've been the team on the cusp. They've always been just a touchdown away from a few really big wins. And once again, just I'm not trying to sound like a broken record, but the, this is another team that they're going to continue to build on the success that they've had. Um, and content, and Kentucky's one of those teams, like I just described, that they could walk into any team on a, on a Saturday and just completely ruin their day. Um, I'll never forget, we, uh, I went to a Bama game. We went to a Bama game. We went to the Alabama-Kentucky game two years ago. Do you remember this? Yeah. Um, I remember. Yeah, awesome. It was a good time. 
Um, but after the game, or at the end of the season, excuse me, I remember they asked one of the Alabama linemen, and they uh, they said, who was the biggest uh, surprise you played this year that, that you know, you got you started the game and all of a sudden they kind of hit you in the teeth? And uh, one of the offensive linemen said, Kentucky, hands down. He said they came out firing all cylinders. They were ready to play. And uh, if you go back and look at that game that we went to two years ago, we had two huge turnovers on defense, and we, we only won the game by two touchdowns. Like, Kentucky was hanging in there the whole time, and um, a lot of respect to them. Once again, that's also a, a little bit more of a geez, prestigious school. Um, then, mm-hmm. you know, I think academically it's a little tougher to get in. Uh, but definitely they're going to be fun to see. And I, I they're let the me, team I root for. Let me for ask you this, though, because it's just interesting because um, it seems like everybody kind of likes an underdog. And Absolutely. And I not that these schools are underdogs, but um, – in comparison to all these other programs that have been very successful over the past uh, years, um, they're they almost underdogs in that category. But what do you think is the difference when we talk about those games where it comes down to the last minute? Is that a coaching thing? Is that a player's thing? Is that just a, um, a mentality kind of thing? Because, you know, when you tell me that Alabama players say that Kentucky came out firing on all cylinders, mm. is that because, oh, it's Alabama – you know, we got to like, we, if we beat them, that like, it makes them, you know, makes our season. So they have more of a oomph in them to, to compete. Um, but like, is it players? Like you get down to the fourth quarter and you're just worn out, but like the other team across from you has like second string players that could be your first string players. I mean, or is it a coaching thing? I mean, what, what do you think makes that difference? Because, no matter what, these athletes are all very talented, all all deserving to play in this this league. And um, I just I want your opinion on that because I mean you have these schools like Vandy and Kentucky that you know could ruin your Saturday and come very close. But why is it that they don't pull those out or any team that does uh, get in those uh, games in those positions? What, what do you, what do you think the difference is that? Um, well. Besides, like, like you know, very specific yeah. things like, oh, well, they got that turnover on the third quarter. You know, what do you think? Is it a mentality? Is it a culture? Okay, well, I think you just you kind of answered your own question there. I think it's really – it's a combination of all of it. I think um, some schools are smaller that the depth will get them in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. Sometimes you have a really – just really crappy coaching decision at the fourth quarter, um, you yeah. know, that, that kind of blows the – chance for the whole team um but it could be any one of those factors man um but at the same time there's too many times in college football that we've seen the smaller team win um man i I watched this on facebook the other day man i don't want to murder this was it 2011 um it was it was boise state okay i don't know if y'all how many of y'all remember this adrian peterson was at oklahoma boise state versus oklahoma fiesta ball uh i want to say it was 2011 People say that this was the game that started the playoff contention conversation because Boise State had never been, had never had an undefeated season. Um, it was the first time they were ranked high in the country, um, like they were top five, um, and they were playing number three rated Oklahoma. I think number three, number three. I hope. Hope I'm not miscrediting you guys, like or mis uh, saying information wrong. I suck at this. Anyway, no, you're, um, you're good, bro. So. 
you know, it, we had Boise State win that game. They tie it up in the fourth, like 45-45 or whatever it was. Then they go for a two-point conversion to win the game and beat Oklahoma, who had Adrian Peterson. And just thinking of him playing for a college football team seems like it'd be illegal. Um, but that that's a perfect <laughs> example right there is, like, Boise State did the upset. Um, it's it's a number of things. And, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, I think the better program is always going to win. Um, yeah. But no, the better program is the program that really has a check mark next to all the You say things. that. Like, there's plenty of teams. The, the, the team on the other side that loses may have four out of five of those things, but you need all of those. You need the culture. You need the coaching, the players, the depth. You know, that 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 all that combined mm-hmm. brings out a winning program. And I, it's just interesting because I think, no, no, know, no. those are I think the exciting things. It gives games, you the chance to have uh, a winning the, program. To watch it. And it's the ones that you're, you're you're mentioning where it's like you don't know, really. Uh, I love how Nick Saban and other coaches say like that's why you play the games. Like, you know, predicting and thinking like, oh, well, they're this school and they're going up against this school. Well, that you know, we already know who's going to win. No, you don't. No. I mean, in really all sports, but especially in football, I've always felt like you know it could really be anybody's day. Uh, you just got sh- who shows up. And, um, you know, some of these teams, when they are pretty big and very successful, they can get cocky, man. They can get complacent and very comfortable. Well, and then they can get their teeth knocked in, you know, because of that. They, they, you can't uh, underestimate any opponent that you face on a, any given Saturday. I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but then you had Mississippi State lost to University of South Alabama, which mm-hmm. going to the books, going player by player <laughs> – Mississippi State should have never lost that game. I think they had Nick Nick Fitzgerald. Like they were a solid team. Lost to the University of South Alabama. Should have never lost that game. And then I'll never forget. This is like when I first started playing football. Like when I was in junior high. One of the first games that I saw Alabama. Like that really made me a Bama fan. Um, I'm gonna say it was 2008. Alabama. I think finished that year with six wins. Um, Mike Shula was head coach. Uh, Joe Joe Kahn's was defensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. Florida comes into Tuscaloosa ranked number one in the country, undefeated, and we had already lost a few games. And we had a five foot eight receiver called Tyrone Prothrow, and mm. had a quarterback called Brody Kroll. And number one, our defense, holy shit, played lights out that game. They played like NFL caliber defense. But then Brody Kroll threw three touchdowns to three three touchdowns to Tyrone Pro throw, and then we had one receiver have another one. Just like Alabama played lights out and beat them thirty-one to three. Like it, it, there was not a person in college football that thought Alabama was going to come out with a win that day. Um, but they, they upset the biggest team in the country, like and murdered them. Um, and that you know it, that's like going back to what you said. The, the most beautiful thing about SEC. It is how competitive each one of these schools are. Um, is yeah, is how determined definitely. they are, and it makes for just amazing football to watch. Um, I wish I didn't have to watch football all Saturday during the fall. You know, I wish I could be disciplined <laughs> enough to watch one game, but you know, five times out of six, I'm going to watch at least two to three football games on a Saturday because it's just there's too oh, many good teams playing each other and. Um, with with the rankings and the playoff system, it's it's more it's do or die more than anything. Um, it's it's nuts and God, there's just we're 
talking about this, we're really talking about the essence of the of the SEC and SEC football. And not saying it's not like this everywhere in the country, um, right. but I feel like the SEC but, is just like every school is given the same level of respect in a sense, and could really, like you said, ruin any Saturday. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that, and we can only really talk about what we know. I mean, we uh, grew up here in the South. I mean, it's SEC country down here. And so we obviously have a little bit of a bias and a little bit of a favor. But, um, you know, but we still focus and, and listen in to what's going on all over the nation. But, I mean, it's just been such a, um, a blessing mm-hmm. uh, to live through some of these prime years of this conference over uh, the last decade plus. And, um so uh, let me ask you this because, uh, well, did you want to touch on anything with Georgia? Because I think that was like the sure. only school that we Oh, I apologize. Out. Wow. Like, uh, we are terrible SEC fans and we're leaving out Georgia. Uh, <laughs> Georgia, okay. Oh. Coming, coming from a guy that's living here in Atlanta right now. And um, Georgia has Kirby Smart, which I have all the respect in the world for Kirby Smart. Um, I love him as a coach. He did great at Alabama. Um, and he, when he left Alabama, there I – don't ever remember hearing a negative word from any of my friends, any of my fellow Alabama fans about him leaving. He's, he spent uh, six, six or seven seasons with the Crimson Tide, gave everything he had, was a part of all of our championships up until the one last year. Unfortunately, we had to beat him to get it. Um, but he, mm. phenomenal guy. He's a Georgia alumni. Guys, if you are a Georgia fan, uh, this is the reason I didn't harp on Georgia. There's not much to harp on. You have a baby Saban. You have a guy who was under Nick Saban, who knows his system, who, um, ironically, I work with somebody who went to high school with Kirby Smart, and apparently he was vowed Victorian in high school. Like, that's, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to release details of who I work with and all that, because, shit, I don't, y'all don't need to know all that. But, anyway, uh, apparently, he's just, he, Kirby Smart's where he needs to be. If you were a Georgia fan, Make your happy ass comfortable. You have a lot of good things coming your way. That's that's all I can say about it, man. You're, he clearly knows how to recruit. Um, he's he knows how to run a program. Um, and I, I I know that that loss still stings. But at the same time, you're looking at a guy who is in his second year at Georgia that led you guys to 12 wins and one loss, or what? Two losses. Y'all lost to uh, uh, Auburn. But hey, we know how that feels. Um, so yeah. it's. It, Buckle up, man. Uh, y'all, if you're a Georgia fan, you should be ecstatic. You have a lot to look forward to. You, you have a great coach who's going to consistently bring in better coaches. Um, he's going to be progressive. He's going to make sure that the school is up to date. He's he's learned enough from Nick Saban um, and to to make a solid program. And and it's and we can't, we got to quit saying that now because he's not a protege anymore. He's a head coach in the SEC who's taking yeah. his team all the way to the national championship and. You get beat by Auburn by 56 points, you have to turn around and play them again. Like, you had to coach your team up. Like, listen, last time we played these guys, they beat the hell out of us. But guess what? You have a chance at a championship now. You have to go out and redeem yourselves. And he coached his team through that game and beat Auburn. Now, obviously, I'm not trying to crap on Auburn. It was a That is a tough match. I don't know if you all remember how Auburn's season ended, but they beat Alabama. Then they beat Georgia. Or, excuse me. They beat Georgia. Beat Alabama and then had to play Georgia again. And considering Georgia and Alabama played yeah. for the national championship, um, basically Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia were just trying to punch each other in the face to see who got the trophy. Um, now Auburn, 
Sorry, bro. I was about you, to say, we hadn't talked about Auburn. Because I didn't really want so to. No, I'm just wanna, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll talk about Auburn, of course. And we'll move on. Um, it's Auburn, Auburn's schedule bit him in the ass. There, there's no way around it. If Auburn had not had scheduled Georgia for one of the last games in the season, which, quote, shout out to Auburn, whoever's doing that schedule, and you put <laughs> Georgia on the end of it, no matter, like, well, you know, you can look at me right now and be like, they didn't know Kirby Slight was going to be there. Like, well, no shit. Like, nobody knows what coach is going to be there. You make, like, schedules three years in advance. But you don't put Georgia at the end of your season. Like, you do it at the beginning or something. Like, oh, God. Like, I just feel bad for him because that's really what tripped up Auburn. If Auburn didn't have to play Georgia again, Alabama wouldn't have won the championship. They wouldn't have gone. And Georgia wouldn't have gone either. Um, would Alabama still have been in the top four? Probably, in my opinion. If you throw Auburn at number one or number two, then Alabama's going to get three or four. Like, so you may have seen Alabama and Auburn play twice, which I would love to see. Started two of that game, and <laughs> you probably would have won it. But anyway, um, going to Auburn, uh, once again, you have Gus Malzahn coming back. Um, Auburn, has a, Auburn has a chance. Okay, this is one thing I've learned about Auburn. And as an Alabama fan, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. You have to be scared of Auburn when nobody's talking about it. Okay, because the years that Auburn has been quietest are the year that they just blow everybody out. Like, I'll never forget, like, I'm sitting there in 2009, fresh off the championship, and I'm sitting there in the summer, and we're like, oh, roll tide, can't wait for college football. And I hear, you know, I see on my phone there's a little Auburn picks up junior college top quarterback Cam Newton, and I don't even think much of it. And then you see what he did. Um like he, I remember he they played Utah State the first game and almost lost. Uh, they won that game in the last 30 seconds, and I didn't think much of Auburn. But then, of course, uh, uh, what's it? Gene Chizik was there, but he had Gus Malzahn as the offensive coordinator um, and Cam Newton. And Cam Newton read that Malzahn offense to, to the team. You just, I mean, not only that, but Cam Newton was a physical phenomenon. It was the perfect recipe for Auburn to have a championship that year. Um and that's kind of like going back, going back to talking about right now. Malzahn has a uh, second-year starter in Stidham, um, running that spread offense and, and the offense that Malzahn loves to run. Uh, Auburn always has a good defense. They have our old defensive coordinator, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Kevin Steele is up there right now. <clears throat> so you know they're going to have a good defense. They know how to recruit. Auburn's never had too much trouble getting good talent on the field. Um Auburn's in contention. I mean, there's not much more to say about it. Like, Auburn's yeah. always going to be up there with uh, your Alabama, LSU, Florida. They're, they're always going to be in the mix for it. Um, Auburn has a down year every now and then. Um, and that's probably my only thing with Malzahn. Sometimes he's inconsistent. You know, he's you know sometimes yeah. he wins the big game. Sometimes he gets beat in them. And um, really, when it comes to Malzahn, the thing I've noticed, the trend, it's all about situational players. Like, if he has that quarterback that can run that offense, Malzahn's good as gold. But if he doesn't have that quarterback that can't run that offense, then you're going to beat Malzahn any day. Um, and mm-hmm. it's uh, and I know that sounds arrogant come from me. I, you know, y'all beat Alabama. Hats off to you. Um, but, you know, that's that's kind of – that's been Malzahn's – to me, that's been his – that's been his dance. You know, that's, that's one thing I can yeah. tell every season. Um, but Auburn's going to put something good on the field. They always do. It's they're they're going to play tough. Uh, let me get the schedule right here. Playing Washington the first game. Now this one is interesting to me because if Auburn doesn't bring it, Washington State could win. They they've had decent teams. 
Um, now I'm going to go ahead and say on the record, I don't believe Washington State's going to win. I'm pretty sure that Auburn's going to come away with a week one victory. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won by three touchdowns. Like, okay, let's just get that out there. Um, <laughs> but Washington State's not going to – they're not going to roll over and die on you. And the scariest thing about first games is this is with Alabama, this is with anybody in the SEC. With first games, it's iffy. Um, you have a lot of challenges and you have a lot of things. Alabama's in a similar situation with Louisville. We'll get on that in a minute. Uh, but overall, if you're an Auburn fan, war damn. You're going to have a decent season. You're going to have a decent team. Um, and I say decent because nobody's took a snap of football this season. So, I, you know, Alabama's going to have a decent team. We can say everyone's going to have a decent team. Um, we just don't know yet. And uh, But they, they have the pieces they need. They have the coach uh, to run the system and um, expect another good year from Auburn. Let me um, let me throw this out to you because um, I definitely want to uh, get into like uh, the the football scene uh, across the nation. But SEC is just it's so interesting to talk about and listen to. Um, um, let me ask you this: uh, based off of like every team that we've gone over, which I, I'm pretty sure at this point we've covered all the teams in the SEC. Other than if you South had Carolina. to pick a team that's on the up and coming, and actually pick a team that's on the decline, okay. could you make could you point out uh, one of these? Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to tie this in because we didn't talk about South Carolina. Shout out to all South Carolina fans. Oh, we My should, bad. Yeah, we we're, we're doing our best here. There is 14 damn teams, and we only have so much time. <laughs> this isn't easy. Yeah. Um, okay, if I have a team on the up and up, ooh, you, that's not already that's not successful. Already successful. Uh, Florida. Uh, i got to go with Dan Mullen. Dan yeah. Mullen in Florida, I feel like uh, – like, like going back to what I said, he has what he needs there. He has the program backing him. Um, I think Dan Mullen will do really well at Florida. I think he has a chance to turn the team around and, and maybe even win eight or nine games. So Florida definitely, um, if I was a betting man, which I don't have enough money to gamble, but if I was a betting man, I would put my money on Florida uh, to have a really successful season. Um, okay. Now, what's your, what's your team that looks like they're mm, they're on the – Okay, I'm sharing this answer. It's LSU and South Carolina. Here's my reasoning. Um, uh, Coach O has to – this is his third year. He's he's going to have to prove something. It's, it's a make-or-break year for him. It's, it's three years. Three years is enough time for any coach. Three years about the, the – th- excuse me, the third year is about – that is your productive year. You have two years to settle into the program. You've had two years to recruit. You've you've had two years to implement your system and find the staff you've wanted. Um, the third year, you have to you you have to be productive. Um, and some schools don't even wait that long. So it, it's a do or die for LSU, in my opinion. Or excuse me, his head coach. And they, by the way, they start off uh, week one against Miami, which would be a hell of a football game. Mm. Give it a look, and uh, it'll say a lot about Coach O. Um, if they win that game or not, they're going up against Mark Rich, uh, Mark Rick who, Rich, Rich, Rick, however you say it, there's a T at the end of it after a C-H. I'm, I'm not great with letters. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's some shit like that. Um, Mark Rich. Uh, so it'll be a lot. He's the, You're looking at a coach coaching on Miami, a coach in the SEC who's not going to be phased by this, and he's going to have that team ready. So LSU-Miami is going to be a really fun game to watch week one. But then you have South Carolina with Will Muschamp. Um, Muschamp, once again, he's, uh, he's he coached at Florida. He's, he's had head coaching experience. He's been in the SEC um, was I surprised that South Carolina grabbed him as far as a head coach? Hell yeah, because he did not do good at Florida. But South Carolina picked him up like he was a hot commodity. Um, maybe he'll do better there in that environment. 
Um, Will Muschamp is also another coach that was under Nick Saban at the LSU team back in 2001, along with uh, Jimbo Fisher. Um, all football fans, if you don't have a chance, go look at that coaching staff because it's just ungodly how many head coaches were on that team in 2001 and just the amount of coaching talent um, LSU had that year. It was it, it was phenomenal. Um, the South Carolina man uh, with, with, with Will Muschamp, they're going to have a challenge. Hell, they played Georgia week two. Um, uh, but they played in Columbia at South Carolina, which has proven tricky for some teams. Uh, going back to 2000, uh, 2010 or 2011, uh, sorry, it was 2010, we lost to Georgia. Uh, excuse me, we lost to uh, South Carolina in Columbia, uh, South Carolina at their home stadium. I remember that game. It sucked. Um, uh, they, they just outplayed us. They had, uh, uh, what was that wide receiver? Alshon, uh, Alshon Dreffery. And we had yeah, uh, yeah. we had a freshman starting quarterback, which I'm not going to name. Hashtag went high school together. Uh, but anyway, they threw it to uh, they threw it to Jeffrey all game, um, and unfortunately he was like six five and weighed up like two sixty and just uh, he humbled the shit out of us. He he caught balls all day and just wore Alabama wore Alabama secondary down. Um, but uh, much champ in LSU there uh, excuse me or LSU in South Carolina. That's really going to be the two teams I think that. Um, that are going to struggle. I, I feel like the, that every other program is kind of is, is kind of building and building, and I, those are my biggest question marks. Now, don't get me wrong with LSU. Coach Ogeron could come out and have a really strong season. Uh, the first year he was at LSU, he played Alabama. God, we won nine to zero. We Jalen Hurts finally got a touchdown late in the fourth. It was zero zero all game. Um, not a game to watch out in public, by the way. I was out with a bunch of friends, uh, and yeah, dude, I was just pissed off the whole time. I, I just could not bring myself to enjoy <laughs> enjoy anything around me because I was just like, well, if Alabama was up by like at least a touchdown, I you know I'd be celebrating. But uh, yeah, I didn't get to celebrate until after the game was over. And uh, but anyway, uh, just just going back to it. Yeah, that's that's usually the case with a lot of these games, though, man. Well, especially when they Jesus. come down to the yeah, wire. I just can't. You really don't know. I'll what probably die watching football because to. listen, I understand everybody. This is just a game, and we got to be adults and mature about it. But sometimes I'm not because I'm just passionate about it. I don't know why. <laughs> I enjoy the, I enjoy the hell out of it, and I, whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, what I do want to go over this real quick. Uh, do you want to talk about week one matchups? Okay, I'm yeah, gonna read these yeah, out. We can. Um, uh, before we sure. jump into that, look, real quick, do you have a um, prediction for the SEC championship already? Like a East and West winner? Um, just like ooh. throw two out there without giving it much thought. Georgia, right? Alabama again. SEC. Yeah. 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 I, that's we, we don't play in the regular season, and uh, it, it could be just as easily uh, Auburn, Georgia. Um, but see, Auburn, Georgia have that rivalry that they play each other every other year or some shit like that. So now, no offense, Auburn, but now you have to deal with Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, you know, sometimes twice in the same season without even making it to the SEC championship. So hashtag bless you guys. Y'all got a tall order. Um, Okay, so real quick, uh, I'm going to read off. I'm going to read off week one matchups. You tell me who you think you're going to win. Who's going to win and by how much right off the bat. Okay. okay. Uh, I'll do my best. All right. Awesome. We got Vandy in Middle Tennessee. Uh, Vandy wins uh, two touchdowns. I agree with that. Uh, next one, we have Texas A&M at uh, 
Northwestern State at College Station. Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M wins um, uh, three touchdowns. Three touchdowns, yeah. I think it's like more of a – I don't know that. Northwestern school, State, man. yeah. So, um, uh, be based off of that, I would I, I would at least just say that Texas A&M okay, wins. fair enough. By a good bit. Um, yeah. We have another fun matchup here. We got Tennessee versus West Virginia week one. Ooh, um, West Virginia wins. Yeah, um, I, I'll even go ahead and say it's a closer game, but I, th- I think West Virginia wins that one. Um, I, uh, but, I actually but, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know much. by how much, but I'll say it's a closer game. Yeah, I yeah. just yeah, I, I, I'm actually going to tilt my hat to West Virginia. Yeah, I think that. Um, next yeah. one we got South Carolina versus Coastal Carolina. Uh, South Carolina. They'll win. I give him two touchdowns in that game. Yeah. We got Missouri at UT Martin. Or, excuse me, they're at Missouri, UT Martin. Uh, uh, I don't know UT Martin, so I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Missouri. Yeah. They'll win. Um, I'll say it's uh, plus two touchdowns. It's a, it's a good yeah, victory. Um, now, we got Mississippi State playing Stephen E. Austin, which is a D2 school. Mm-hmm. Um, in Starkville. Mm, okay. I'm going to um, State on that one. Uh, yeah, I don't really see an upset there. No. Um, either. maybe yeah, I don't see. I, I'm kind of looking for an upset somewhere, but I don't think it's that game. So no. Okay. Um, that was Mississippi State, right? Yep. Or, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I. I I predict that they would win that one. Um, All right. Probably by a good bit. I don't know. Like, when it comes to these smaller schools, it's hard to tell. Like, you don't know if they're just going to bring it. But those first first games can always lean either way, really, because both teams are – they haven't found their groove yet, yeah. you know? So you never know. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, Mississippi State wins gotcha. that. All right. Uh, next one's uh, – to me, this is going to be a good matchup. Uh we got mm-hmm. Ole Miss and Texas Tech. Ole Miss at Texas Tech. And this is Tech. in Houston. Um, okay. Where are they Houston. playing? Did you hear me? Did you say Houston? Yeah, this, is, this is in Texas. So, is it? Okay. Um, uh, I, I guess I'll go out on a, uh, on a limb. I'll say Texas Tech. I don't, I'm gonna go I Ole Miss. Know. I mean, I'll, yeah, I don't like. I no offense to uh, is it Kingsbury, Kingsbury, the, the head coach over there, real young guy. Um, Texas Tech has done the same thing every year. Like they're they're not to me they're very stagnant right now. Um, they're yeah. not moving up. They're not moving down. But they're to me with them with it both being the first game. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Ole Miss, man. I actually hope Ole Miss wins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's okay if it's um, close. I give it a touchdown. You know, it's going to be within seven points. Yeah. I think. I think that defense would win yep. that game. I agree with that one hundred percent. Texas is just more spread out, and I think they're going to. I think Ole Miss's defense is going to be better than Texas Tech's defense. I mean, Isn't that's Texas really where I'm Tech kind of like an air raid kind of offense? Yeah, pass it along. Oh yeah, that's that's exactly what they do. And I think that uh, I I know they got a new coach and everything, but I feel like just Ole Miss's defensive yeah. line is going to probably win that game out. That's going to be the difference in it. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, next one's a big one, and I like this a lot. We got LSU in Miami, Week One in Arlington. I guess at uh, Dallas Cowboy Stadium. 
Oh, nice. Um, oh. I'm going to say Miami. Oh, wins. yeah, dude. I, I'm so excited for this game. Um, I'm not even going to lie, yeah. man. Like, it, it, it's September 2nd. Is this on a Sunday? Hold on. Let me get my calendar out. Yeah, I guess oh, so, because the first is Saturday. Oh, it is a uh, Sunday it would, it would game. Be, it would be Sunday. Well, that would be fun. Um, kind of interesting. Okay, so LSU-Miami on a different. Sunday. Um, uh, like, see, this is going back to what we talked about. This is all about Co- Coach Ogeron. Like, that's that game right there is going to set the tone for the season. If he wins it, they're going to be like, of yeah, we, we should probably give him another year to try things out. Um, yeah, but then they got Auburn Especially week three. Especially since it's going to be like Ole Miss week five on such a big stage, though. So. Oh, they got a. I don't know, they, man. Dude, Miami was really good last year, though. So you got to think, that, really think about year. that. But yeah, <sighs> so I don't know who they got returning and stuff, but I mean, I feel like they're on the up and up, and both teams are going to be looking to set the tone. Yep. Uh, I mean, the first game is always important, bro. LSU has a tough season, uh, though, man. They got all. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this real quick, though, yeah. man. Because before I forget, when it comes to first first week matchups, mm-hmm. if you were in charge of a program, would you lean towards uh, setting scheduling a smaller, easy win, or like a or something that's more leveled, a good tone setter that like, oh, we beat them, we we you know we know where we are as a team, or we at least know like we're we're. Um, we're competitive, you know, like like that kind of matchup, LSU Miami, compared to like some of those other ones you mentioned earlier that were like smaller schools. Absolutely. Uh, would you feel more comfortable? Because I know Alabama over the past handful of years, the first game has always been uh, a challenge. Yeah. You know, so okay. So what, what? How do you feel about that? All right. It's uh, first of all, it's a really good topic to talk about. Um, this all depends on your coach and your program, okay? Because here it is. Um, back in the BCS system. Um, this was all about gambling, okay? If you beat the hell out of a good team early, if you played somebody solid in week one, um, mm-hmm. then number one, it would it would the computers were going to spit you up at the top, and then you could play the rest of your season, uh, basically waiting for everyone else to lose. And I say that because yeah. Alabama yeah. went to a championship because number three Oklahoma State dropped their last game to Iowa, and it kicked us in the playoff. And this is when we played LSU twice that year, and we won. This is 2011. And this is when the playoff conversation got really heated because LSU and Alabama played twice that year. Um, so now that we're in the playoff system, it's still kind of the same thing. Like, you want to beat a good team early because if you lose early, here's the problem. It's, it's high risk, high reward. If you lose early, you still have a chance to let people lose and for you to catch up. You drop the first game yeah, and you win out, you can still make it. But then it's 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 such a double-edged sword because Alabama's played Alabama, the Florida State game, they got less credit for that than in than than they ever have. Uh, because, you know, we took out uh, no, we didn't take out, unfortunately, uh, Florida State's first string quarterback got hurt, and they went on to have a, a very poor season. So when everybody was arguing, should Alabama be in the top four? That game kept getting brought up, and they're like, well, Florida State had a piss-poor season, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it wasn't that good a win. Well, we were playing – we only played Florida – like, we're the only team that played Florida State with their starting quarterback. And everybody else got the backup. So that was a big yeah. argument. So, really, that first big game, the week, the week one game, um, it is it is either a way to set, your, to set the tone 
Um, but losing it isn't the end of the world. Because you lo- if you lose early, Alabama's already shown that you can come back. And hell, if you lose late and you've won every other game, then you can. You're, you're well, more you kind of aren't. You kind of aren't. Like this year with uh, Auburn and Georgia, that was just. I don't know how to describe that. Like Auburn and Georgia play each other all the time, and you think we we would have run into this problem by now, but this year, you know, it, it came back that it was just the way. Like the conference, like Georgia was out of the East, Auburn was out of the West, and it was the way things ended up. Put Alabama back in, but I, I'm gonna I, I stay. I'm gonna stay by what I said earlier. Alabama would have been the top four regardless of regardless of the Iron Bowl. We lost it. We're, we're still in the top four. I understand people don't think that's fair. I get that. I know Georgia played an extra game. But that at the end of the day, whoever watched the national championship, you argue with me right now that the two best teams didn't end up there. Tell me different. Because it was a dull, double overtime win. Okay? Yeah. It was, it was so there you go. Like, the system's working. I know people were pissed, but, I mean... Well, I, I want to touch on that. I want to ask you that in a okay. little bit. Well, so, so sorry. Continue. Well, okay. Well, let's like uh, keep going with week one matches. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So next we have Kentucky, Central Michigan. It's uh, in Kentucky. Kentucky. Um, we have Austin P. at Georgia. Uh, Georgia. Absolutely. Charleston Southern uh, at Florida. Florida. Auburn and Washington in Atlanta. Now, when you said Washington earlier, is it Washington or Washington? Washington uh, Huskies. The not. Yeah, the Huskies. Like Washington, Purple? Washington. They were in the playoff two years okay. ago. Okay. Um, ooh, man. Played Alabama in the first round of the second collegiate They're playoffs. playing in Atlanta. I'd say Auburn, I guess. That's such – wow, that's like a big uh, time difference and flight for Washington to come all the way to – You're right. That's, that's like home – that's home field advantage. That's a really good Washington. point. Yeah, they're going to be four hours behind. Um, depending on when they get to town, they may even be jet lagged. Um but I get listen. Another thing about that game, if it's in Atlanta, I guarantee you it's going to be at eight o'clock at night. It's going to be hella late, and um, that's a problem. Like when you play on the East Coast, like you play like really late games, and I think that's going to be. Is it Auburn that's had bad luck in Atlanta, or what? Is yeah, Auburn had no luck in Atlanta. They they recently lost the Atlanta. the last game they lost in Atlanta was UCF, and then the game before that they lost to Georgia. Yeah, so, so they've had some bad luck, man. Well, they have, but um, I mean, well, who recently. are you going with? Make your prediction. Yeah, uh, for that one, I'm Auburn. going Auburn. Um, yeah. Defensive yeah. line. That's the, my that's my biggest difference. I I see, I see Auburn being very aggressive in their front seven, or excuse me, their their, their whatever their 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 defensive line is going to be dominant. I don't <laughs> think Washington's yeah. going to be able to hold them out. I think it's going to cause turnovers, hurried passes, interceptions, so on and so forth. Um, Auburn fans. You can never say I wasn't nice. Um, you, you got you got week one for sure. Uh, yeah. Holy shit, Alabama plays Alabama State this year. I mean, Auburn plays Alabama State this year. That's awesome. That's cool. That's really cool. Are they playing in Auburn? Yeah, a little irrelevant, but we, me and Luke are from Montgomery, and ASU's right down the road, and, yeah, they're playing Alabama State. That's yeah. neat. Well, good for yeah, them. Yeah, that's, that's a big good game. Um, sorry. Sorry, yeah. guys. I'm ADD. Uh, Eastern Illinois in Arkansas, or at Arkansas. Week one. Uh, I say Arkansas only because I don't know much about Eastern mm-hmm. Illinois, Smaller so school. I can't yep. really like say otherwise. So I'll, I'll stick with Arkansas. Sure. Okay, <clears throat> and then last but not least, we have Alabama versus Louisville in Orlando, Florida. 
even if I wasn't an Alabama fan, I would still pick Alabama. Okay. Uh, you know, the past couple of years, it felt like the first game was more of a, mm, not really sure. It's, it kind of feels a little 50-50, honestly. Uh, but with Louisville, um, they don't have Lamar Jackson anymore, Dude. right? Gone. Yeah, so I, I would – I don't know. I feel like that being the first game, new quarterback, uh, Orlando, Florida, which is a pretty cool site to play the first game. Um, no, I think Alabama wins that, man. I agree with you, um, but – Do you think it will be close? Hell, though? yeah, man. I'm going to be sweating bullets. Uh, what's going to happen is Alabama has had to rebuild their whole secondary. I think Louisville is going to sling that ball. As fast and as far as they can. Uh, expect trick plays. Expect uh, wide runs. Uh, really, your spread hurry up offense. They're going to try to milk that every bit. They're really going to use this first week, um, this new experience, your new starters. Um, they're going to do. They're going to use all that against Alabama, like flat out. Now, here's my thing. Louisville will have a potent offense, but. Is, is question mark as much question marks is on Alabama's defense this year, you know secondary all the injuries at, at inside linebacker we're having which is scary as hell because we've we've lost three linebackers for the season started uh, Keith Holcomb didn't come back one tore his ACL the other guy kicked off the team so we've had we've had a lot of crap luck before the season's even started but if you're playing Alabama this year be more scared of their offense the offensive lines returning. All, every single one of our receivers have has had snaps and touchdowns. Be scared of the receivers. We got two quarterbacks that are more than capable of throwing the ball and getting it out there. And not to mention, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say this all day, and you're not, you can't argue with me. Find another team that has a better stable of of running backs than we do. You have Damian Harris, you have Najee Harris, you have Brandon, uh, Brian Jacobs. Uh, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, just, there's too many we have too much talent in the backfield too much talent on the offensive line um, we're, that's going to be our strong point this year you may put up some points on Bama but we're damn sure going to put points up on you um, and not only that I, if anybody wants to just go look at the last few seconds of that championship game we had two linemen out and had backups on that game winning drive had Alex Leatherwood at left, left tackle Um we were capable on offense. Alabama's going to be able to hold their own, but um, Louisville's going to be a potent offense as well. I think it's going to be a shootout, and I'm seeing like – I see Alabama winning like 35-24, some, some, something like that. Um, it's, okay. There's going to be touchdowns. Yeah, because the, the thing about these first games, man, it's like from the moment that the last season ends mm-hmm. – that's your focus. You have all this time, all summer. Yeah, so but at the same time, team, you don't have film. You're you don't know about the that, starting lineup. That first game, you know. Yeah, but like in um, Alabama, in Louisville's case, you don't know their rosters. You don't know who they're putting on the field. Alabama's offense well, that, is a little and bit more see, predictable. That's, that's the double-edged sword to that. You know who you're playing, but you don't know exactly. who you're playing because of roster changes scheme changes like there's no film to really watch except for last year and you know that could be a whole different team Absolutely. honestly so other than knowing the team that you're playing the details are a mystery honestly yep. um it's going to be a good first week regardless um i just i don't know i don't know it's going to be interesting to see uh, if there are any upsets in that SEC uh, first week, you know you're hoping 
that there isn't like technically I am like a all SEC fan until it becomes SEC conference play and then it's yeah. like all right uh, it's uh, all bets are off but um, so I really hope that all these teams do well that we talked about uh, earlier. But, you know, like we said, too, it's just you just really don't know who's going to show up. Absolutely. And that first week and those first couple weeks, you're working out a lot of different kinks. You know, you're trying to get your flow. Like we're talking about uh, scheduling big games like this one, like Alabama, Louisville. Oh, it could definitely bite us in the butt. Uh, I mean, it, it, uh, Louisville could come out and throw all over Alabama and us have too much trouble catching up on offense. It could very well happen. Um, I believe – if you want to talk about upsets, Alabama could definitely lose their first game. Uh, I know that's blasphemy for me to say, but it's very true. Um, very Auburn true. could do the same thing. That high-speed offense they yeah. run could go to crap, and they could have trouble getting started. Washington could advance on that. Um, LSU and Miami, definitely a very close uh, close game. I, that, that could yeah. definitely go either way. Um, and then, of course, uh, Tennessee and West Virginia. Um uh, that's that's a big one too. That, that, to me, that's a toss up, and I'll leave it. Hell, so, Vanderbilt, Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee could easily win that game um, if they, they. So when it comes to like, but like this is my thing. Like when you schedule a small team that you're almost guaranteed to win, are you really building any confidence? You know, like yes, you've got oh, them yeah. out there. You you're now one and zero. You have beat a team that's small. You know, you you're able to make mistakes and hopefully not like really um, have to suffer any kind of consequences. But, I mean, when you win a game uh, the first week that is against an opponent that is strong and capable of, uh, you know, doing well throughout the rest of the season, that sets more of a tone, I think, uh, than just playing a really a nobody just to get you an easy win at the beginning. Um, There's more at risk when you're playing a team that's uh, more competitive the first week because both of you guys could be making mistakes that, you know, 10 weeks down the road, you know, hopefully those have been taken care of. Um, but it also says something about a program regardless, because when you have these bigger games um, with uh, more known programs, one of them is going to lose. And it's going to say a lot about that program that loses, how they react and respond to that. Now, does that loss set the tone? Like, are you able to like dig yourself up right. from that, uh, you know, from that loss? I mean, so it's really important. The first week is very important. And um, that's why it's exciting, not only just to have football back, but to to kind of see like the potential and what, what each team has uh, worked on throughout the offseason to be better. And um, if they can respond to these challenges. And uh, so like that's kind of my thing. Like the, the games that we mentioned that are against small teams, yeah, I'll probably see them on the scoreboard. I'll probably see like highlights. But I want to see the big ones, and um, I think that says a lot more about a team um, when you're choosing to put that high-risk, high-reward uh, team on your schedule uh, right off early because there's so much at risk. You don't know who you have at quarterback is going to be who you have. You know, you don't know about injuries. You don't know about so much. Um, but you're you're also facing an opponent that's doing the same. It's all about discovery. Um so what do you think, man? Like, I mean, with that being said, I know I asked you something earlier, but I think it's interesting. I mean, to is it more com- – it's obviously more confidence if you beat a team that's uh, competitive the first week than just a nobody and you get a free win, well, right? I, I, okay, I'm going to try to group this together. Um, 
Right. Okay, if you're if you're an Auburn or a Georgia or an Alabama, you're a, a a program who's winning and you're winning a lot and you've been winning for the past few seasons. Um, it's a challenge to your players. Be like, you're the best in the country. You got to compete. And when it comes down to a playoff system, okay, where they select the final four, um, Alabama's that perfect example. Like, I know Florida State, arguably, I don't know if it helped them that much this year, but if Florida State had kept that first-string quarterback all year and they'd ended up winning nine or ten games, Alabama would have been thrown into the top four no problems. They'd have been like, hell, they beat Florida State the first game. You saw how good they were. But since Florida State had a down season, it didn't hold as much value. But playing that big game, um, if you're a big program and you're going for the big win, you got to start early. Um, not all teams can come up yeah. to that expectation. Now, secondly, you said a cupcake game. Why, why would you – how would that build confidence? Well, well, you could use a double-edged sword. Okay, let's say you go out. Uh, let's uh, let me let me pick a game here, buddy. Give me two seconds. Okay, we got Florida and Charleston yeah. Southern. All right, I'm Dan Mole. I got my Gators out there. Um, they beat the hell out of Charleston Southern, which I expect them to do. They they beat them 49 to zero. Defense shuts out. Mm-hmm. You get to play all your backups. You get to play your freshmen. Um, First of all, it's great for the team. It's great for your backups to get playing experience. Even if it's five snaps their freshman year, game time snaps and game t- like playing time, period, for any players, bench, second string, whatever, it's, it's imperative. It's what builds a team. If you notice your most successful teams were successful the year before and all their players got to play after half, Alabama being that same team with Tua, Tua was in two or three games this year after halftime throwing touchdowns. Um, and you're resting. And you're your resting starters, your starters. Too. You're resting your running backs. People aren't getting beat up. You're preventing injuries. But okay, going back to the motivation aspect. So you start off week one with a forty-nine to nothing blowout. Your team, your players have confidence. Your players are believing in what they're doing. Um, they're reading the calls. They're they have that. They have the confidence. They have that chemistry, and they have that winning that winning mentality through after week one, which is always great to start off with. Now let's go flip flip this. Okay, let's say that uh, Florida goes char- or Charles- Charleston Southern comes to Florida, and uh, holy hell, it's just a, it's a bag of crap, and uh, and they like Florida wins by like a field goal. Okay, um, mm. then your team can come into that locker room. You have the win. It's a shitty win. It's only by three points against a team that you're expected to beat by forty, but it's still a win. Yeah, and it's a, it's a point where a coach can look at the players and. And go, listen, you won today. You got a W. But please understand that every team we're going to play is four times as good as they are. And you have to yeah, challenge yourself right. to step up and play better next week. And then you flip it like that. You you get a whole feel for your team. And in worst case scenario, sometimes you, you get completely upset and you have to turn that team around. And that's when coaching gets really hard to do. You got to carry that motivation. Like you screw up week one, you kind of feel like the whole season's gone to crap. And, um, you know, that's the hard part. But, like, for a big school like Florida, you know, if you have a cupcake game and you lose by a few, or you, excuse me, you win by a field goal or you win by a touchdown, there's plenty of coaching there. You got you got away with the win that you needed. Um, but, you know, the kids aren't arrogant. They're just happy they won. You know, they're not cocky. You're like, yeah. hell, you only beat Charleston Southern by a touchdown. There ain't no celebrating here. Um, and then you can coach them up on that point. Um, and so whether it's a blowout win, whether it's a win by a little, like there, there's coaching points the whole time. And these cupcake games, like this is another thing that we, I, I really want people to understand. You know, I understand if you're a college football fan 
and you have, and you, let's say you root for a, for a big conference team. If you're Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Auburn, Wisconsin, whoever your big team is, and you see three or four cupcake games. Now, from being a football fan, I love matchups and I love competition on the field. So I understand it's a little irritating. But um, you also got to remember what it does for the little guys, for the, for the, the, the quote-unquote cupcake schools you're playing, first of all. If you're a big school, that little school is probably getting paid over a million something dollars to show up and play. The payout, the buy, uh, little schools get paid more to come play these big schools, so they get yeah, funding. They get exposure. They get exposure. They get funding for their programs. Um, the kids get on a national stage. They're playing Alabama. Like we played Mercer last year. You know, there's some people on Mercer probably never thought they'd get to play against Alabama. It's, you know, when they go out and they put on 150%. So, you know, you see these little cupcake games. So they're going to beat the hell out of those teams. That ain't fair. Well, these little schools deserve a big spotlight, too. And that, you know, they don't get to go to championships or big bowl games. But they do get to play Alabama or Auburn or Ohio State during the season. They get to showcase their skills. Well, like, and the school here's another thing, too. Like, a really good amount of money. When, when you're playing that first week, man, I mean, all eyes all are eyes on, are on you. No you get to play, you get to play in a stadium you know, with 100,000 people. So like, you know, it's not a punishment. Um, no, no, you no. You know, it's... I guess it's just like, I, like, I guess, like, yeah, you're, you have a lot of good points, man. And I guess I get caught up in the, um, the aspect of looking at a program that's big and then trying to, like, look, you're even, that's first game sets the tone for, you know, what comes down the road later towards the end of the well, season. the biggest thing and, is playing, uh, Tom, too. If you get to play uh, strength, your whole Strength bench. of schedule, I guess, is really, like, like the, the topic at hand. It's just, like, you know, that we've seen is uh, constantly brought up. When it gets down to that crunch time, when it comes down to playoff time and who's going to be playing who and what's going on uh, at the end of the season, they go back and they dissect every little game, every big game. doesn't matter. And I guess that's where it's just like, I don't know. I, I'm more inter- interested in the strategy of your scheduling because I think that is an art in itself, man. That That takes – talent to kind of you don't really know because they do these schedules like years in advance right oh yeah about so about three years you don't really know yeah three years from now you don't know how good louisville is going to be right but um it, it's just interesting because it, it it like you were talking about who somebody's playing georgia the second week it's like wow man <laughs> you know you can't run away from matchups like that but you also want to like are you going to be that kind of team that just jumps in the deep end, or are you like going to like paddle your way up to those matchups? You're going to have to face these teams, especially if you're in a conference like the SEC. Um, but you know, you better have your stuff in order, and you better have a good off season because come September first or second, it, it, it's you. You are what you are, you know. And uh, I mean, there are there's room to grow. There's room to progress, but that's when it all comes down and it starts counting. So, yeah, it, it is good exposure. It's good for the smaller schools to play these bigger teams, especially on week one when you know everybody's really watching those first uh, games. They're ready for football. Um, you know, later on the season, you'll you'll notice there's like a little, uh, you know, some depending on how well your team's doing and stuff and your fan sure. base, but. 
Yeah, it's, it's just cool, man. It's, it's, it's just interesting to think about. Well, you know, and like I mentioned, okay. I didn't mean to cut you off earlier, try to intervene, but... Uh, oh, you're good. You're good. You know, and that's... Whether you're up by 40 or getting beat by 40, that's both teams getting to play uh, people who never get to play. And I, I yeah. think that people tend to forget there are seniors on teams that don't start, that have put in four years mm. of, of blood, sweat, and tears to a, to a, a big program or even a small program that have never been rewarded with playing time. So if you're a cupcake game, you're getting beat by 49 points. Obviously, you're not going to leave your starters in to get the hell beat out of them. Um, you're going to get playing time. And if you're a big school and you're a senior and you've never had to play, you're going to get playing time. And, you know, some of these schools, hell, especially Alabama, that, that, that's priceless. You know, getting everyone to play is everyone's goal. And, it's, and that is, if yeah. you want to talk about the dark side of college football – or sports period, think about the backups. Think about, like, I'll even go off this far. Think about, the, like, people are in the MLB that stay in the stay in the farm league for 20 years. You know, they had, uh, going to the NBA, they had that, uh, hell, it was that point guard for uh, Los Angeles Lakers. He had played in the Deve- developmental league for, like, 26 years before he finally got his name called and, and had a, started for LA Lakers and had a 32 point game. It was amazing. But like we forget that part where you know everyone deserves to play. Everyone deserves a chance. So these little cupcake games, they provide that for both teams. And it's uh yeah, you know, true. it's it, it sucks that you're losing by 49 points if you're the small team, but it's awesome if you get on the field and you still get to compete at the highest level. So Yeah, that's a good point, man. Yeah, I'm glad we got to like look at it like that and talk about it like that because uh you know, like People fail to, myself included, to think about those details when we look at schedules and we look at teams sure. and names and we go, oh, oh, they're just playing Charleston Southern or whoever, you know, it's like whatever. But really, like you said, all those things you just mentioned, like, I mean, it's very important. And um, it goes deeper than, you know, your team winning or losing, stuff like that. Like, there are people's dreams and lives uh, and hard work and sweat and tears that build up to these moments. So you, you, you know, you just want everybody to, to live a little bit of that dream, however they can. So it's cool, man. I mean, it's really interesting. Um, looking at it like that from that perspective, then just like, Oh, small team cupcake match, whatever, move over. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, I was going to ask you this though. I wanted, there's a couple of things I really wanted to, uh, uh, pick your brain about, and uh, I know you got probably some other stuff you want to talk about. And I know we've been going on for like an hour and a half. I, I was the only thing I was about to say. I was like, "Wow, well, I haven't shut up for a while." <laughs> well, oh, it's great, man. I mean, we spent the first hour talking about pretty much the SEC. Yeah, if y'all, if y'all um, are still with us right now, thank you. I know this is a uh, is not exactly a short episode, so there you go. Oh no, no, but I mean, like when we continue to do this throughout the season and stuff, it'll be it'll be more, you know, it'll be uh, like if there'll be less to talk about. We'll um, be more blunt and to the point. Oh, if football teams are sucking, we're gonna tell you. Uh, now, do you have any thoughts on the playoff system now, especially after last year? I mean, how, do you feel like it's? Uh, do you have any ideas for improvement? Do you have any i things that you like about it? Things you don't like about it? Do you see any changes coming anytime soon? Or um, what what are, what are your vibes with it now? Because how many years have we had the playoff system now? Three or four. Three, there, uh, three or more. I think. Yeah. Well, Ohio State was the first one to win it, if I'm not mistaken. No, we were the first ones to win it, and then Ohio State won it. 
then we won it, then Clemson won it, then we yep. won it again. So I think it's been five years, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah, or this yeah. would be the uh, This year. would be the fifth year. Um, okay, I, I like the playoff system exactly how it is, and here's why. Um, God, we're up to, is it 14 games? It's just getting unrealistic. Like, I don't, I know people, you know, at the end of the season, everyone's going to be a sorry loser, and they're going to be like, well, we should have six teams, because my team would have been in. Like, you're not thinking of the college players. Um, you, you, if, you know, this is one thing that really pisses me off about fans sometimes, is they act like, you know, two or three additional games is an easy thing to do. And it's not fair to the kids, man. They're getting the hell beat out of them. And uh, Alabama is prime example. Alabama had no linebackers by the end of the season. I couldn't believe we won the championship, like, only because the season lasted so damn long that we eventually had people heal up and were able to play in those last two games. Um, to me, it's just almost like if you stretch out the season any more than 13-plus games, um, it's, it's just getting ridiculous. It's hard to keep that many players healthy that long. It's exhausting. The, the kids are exhausted by the end of the season. Hell, we're already playing from, you know, September to January. I mean, they're playing at the beginning of the new year. Um, and people just want more playoff games because their team, um, you know, it, it, it's easy to have a top five. You know, it's going to be easier to have a top six team than the top four. It's going to be easier to have a team in the top eight than the top four. And it'll be easier to have a team in the top ten than the top four. So every year people are going to shake their fist and they're going to ask for more playoff games, and I don't want any more. Um, I think that, you know, we already have a conference championship, and I know I'm not trying to sound hypocritical. Alabama didn't play in the SEC. But right now you have to win your conference. You have your conference championship. And the way the SEC is set up, that's kind of screwed up now too because normally you have two teams from the SEC that are competing. So you have a conference championship, then you have a playoff game, then you have the championship. So you already have basically three rounds of playoffs right there. Um, now, your conference championship, you could argue that's just like, you know, you get to win the title, and I'm happy that that's still, you know, I'm happy we still have the conference championship, but at the same time, like, um, I don't believe in extending the season continuously because it's, it's, it's worse for the players. And I mean, I, I love football, and I yeah. love watching as many games as possible, and I love bowl season, but listen... <laughs> You know, when it comes to football, you can't be some greedy SOB sitting here wanting some 18-year-old to play five more games just so your damn team could win a championship. And I know that sounds like I know it's coming from a Bama fan. I know that sounds unfair. But at the end of the day, this is about the kids, man. And it is just the sport. Like, we're not going to drive them to play 18 games just so you can get your fill. That's It's not right. So I, I love the setup they have now. Now, now, where do you stand on the requirements as far as like when they come down oh, to God. deciding what teams should be in the playoffs? Like when it comes down to conference championships, uh, how well, much do those matter? You know, should it be a requirement? Like, where, where are you at? Like, the decision making process as far as like what 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 teams deserve sure. to be in the um, playoffs? I don't think the conference championship should. I don't think just because you're a conference champion, I don't think that means shit. Um, and the reason I say that there are some conferences out there that when you you can lose two or three games and still win your conference, and clearly you're not a top four contender. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I don't think it should go off who's the conference champion. Um, they have a committee right now, and the committee seems to do okay. Um, last year was the first time I thought it was going to really get Alabama. Um, 
you know, we got we we got in, but that Florida State win was the most debated thing ever because it's like, should we count it as a big win or should we count it as a wash? Um, because it was the first game of the season, and their quarterback did end up leaving the game. Um, so to me, that game was the teetering. If enough of that committee would have been like, ah, Florida State didn't matter, Alabama wouldn't have got in. But then Ohio State was the only person that was barking at us. They were in fifth place. But, hell, Ohio State had lost to Penn State, and they had dropped another game, too. They lost to Iowa by 30-something points. If you're an Ohio State fan you're listening to this, don't be stupid. You didn't belong in the playoff championship. Your ass lost to Iowa by 35 points. Iowa State, excuse me. <laughs> Shit, don't be unrealistic. You didn't deserve to be there, okay? And that's why you didn't go. Um now, hell, Auburn had more of an argument than Ohio State did. Um, so I like the way they're doing it. Man, I, and the one thing I've learned every year, um, every year in college football, if they're not pissed at the playoff committee, they used to be pissed off at the computer back when it was the PCS era. I don't know if y'all remember, like, on Sunday nights, um, they would release, like, the computer would generate, who was the, the BCS to, would generate the polls. Um, and back then, people used to bark and complain about the BCS and how screwed up it was. And they're going to bark and complain about this in a, uh, in a, about the playoff committee. Nobody's happy unless their team's in the championship. Surprise! Everyone's going to be pissed off. So, um, my big thing is when, when it comes to the playoff committee, when it comes to extending the season or, or making six-team play, playoff, it all goes back to the kids, man. Um, and I'm not telling my kids like they're that much younger than me, but these are 18 to 24-year-olds. Like... And you've just extended the game 14 seasons. Um, that's extending that's extending the season for the coaches. You're you're digging into recruiting time when you when you play that when you play that many extra games. They've had less time to recruit. Not to mention you've changed up recruiting where they have an early signing period, which is just all this shit's a cluster. You're making it to me. You're making it more confusing for an 18 year old, which is already a high pressured, confusing situation to sign to a major school. Um, so, I mean, it, it is definitely a combination of things. I love the way they've done it. I think a four-team playoff has been a lot of fun. You have two games to watch. Um, the top four teams, I think it's a really healthy um, – healthy is a weird way to describe it. I think it's a good way to determine the champion, though. And I think it works every time. Alabama got beat yeah. by Ohio State. And Alabama won the best team that year. And Ohio State progressed, and they ended up winning the championship. Um, rightfully so. They were the best team. And I think the playoff is serving its purpose as it sits now. Um, and But, like, at the end of the day, you're always going to have somebody not happy. You're always going to have somebody complaining. Um, and that's just – that's one of the beautiful beautiful thing about college football is, like, no that's one's ever satisfied. Nice. So, uh, it's that hunger. It's that they want more chances, and as every good fan does. And there's going to be a point in time where I'm screaming at the TV, like, Alabama's 6-5 and five and they're not number four. You know, like, that's going to happen one day. Um, and everyone can laugh at me then. So, uh, as far as right now, what they've done, I love it. I support it. Um, I think it's been good for the sport. I think it's been a little bit tougher for the organizations and the players and the programs. And uh, but at, at the end of the day, I think we are seeing the best team at the end play. Which, at the end of the day, that's what you want. You want the two best collegiate teams to play in the championship. That's the ultimate goal of any championship. You want you want the two best people there. So. Um, I'm in agreement with it so far. I don't. My gripes—they're not big. They're. I am ninety percent completely satisfied with this. Ninety percent completely is—you know—that's a little. Okay. Whatever, but yeah, I, I for the most part I'm happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, is there anything else that you wanted to cover in this episode? Because I, I know that we um, we have talked that we're going to try to do this as often as we can, especially as the season starts. So uh, I'm sure if there's anything that we missed in this episode, we can totally touch up on it later. Uh, but is there is there anything else before the season gets started that you wanted to, to um, discuss? No, man. I think I've talked way too much. I feel like we're I feel like we're gonna have to edit like a crap ton of this. Um, no, man. We're we're in for some good football this year. Alabama fans, be wary. I don't don't. I hate to be negative. I don't think we're gonna make it all the way this year. Um, I've looked into it, but I've been very surprised before. I was surprised last year. Um, I'll be rooting every Saturday for the Crimson Tide. Um, but overall, we're looking at a lot of good football. Um, I think we have a lot, a lot of good things to come come from this year. We got a lot of new coaches. Everything we've really just kind of talked about and went over. It's gonna be fun to watch. Um, at at the end of the day, we we're gonna be watching some great sports with some great team, teams and great schools. And um, there's a lot to look forward yeah. to in the 2018 season for sure. For sure, man. Man. Um... Yeah, I don't really have anything else. I mean, there's like uh, Heisman stuff that we can talk about some other episode because I, I don't, you know, it's really hard to say anything uh, before the season really starts. So we'll have to see how uh, how everything uh, develops and stuff. But um, yeah, man, I, I think we covered a lot uh, and I think it was really good. Uh, so we'll, we'll try to, I don't know, uh, we'll have to, we'll let everybody know what we end up deciding on how often we do these episodes and what day these will be out. But, um, uh, me and Grant are very big collegiate football fans and really sports fans in general. So, uh, we talk about this in our free time. So we thought, you know, it'd be really a good idea to, uh, start recording an episode, uh, you know, during the uh, football season and just to kind of talk about what we thought of the, the games that happened the weekend previous and maybe even our thoughts and predictions on the games upcoming. Um, so we will definitely keep you guys in uh, in tune for what what will be coming around the corner. Um, but yeah, regardless of what team you root for, we hope that you know everybody's excited, everybody's um, ready for some really good matchups, some good games, and that all the players stay healthy and uh, you know everybody has a, a fun um, college football season. Um, so uh, with that, I think I'm going to wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to say, Grant, before uh, I go into this outro? Uh, no, man. I just uh, Thanks for having me on again. I love talking sports. Um, as you can tell, every episode I'm on has something to do with sports. So uh, just appreciate everyone listening, and I hope you have a damn good football season. I hope you have a lot of fun watching it with uh, the ones you care about most. And, yeah, man, roll tide, and everyone have a damn good football season. We'll talk to you soon. That sounds good, man. Uh, I agree. Uh, so with that being said, we hope that you guys have stuck out for these uh, two hours. But uh, there was a lot of stuff to cover. And, we, you know, me and Grant, uh, we're very passionate and interested in college sports and especially football. So, you know, we enjoy this. So um, anyways, with that all being said, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Wondersoul. This was episode number, I think I said 24, but I'm not sure because uh, we are recording this, I think, a little bit ahead of time. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Either way, um, titled either college football or SEC football because I think that was our main focus on this episode. Um, 
Thank you again, Grant, for uh, taking the time to record today. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. Please rate and review Wondersoul on iTunes and whatever platform that you are listening to this episode. Uh, it helps out tremendously. You can find and listen to uh, this episode of Wondersoul and, and previous episodes on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Anchor, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, you can also connect with Wondersoul on social media. Uh, you can find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and even Twitch. Uh, just look up Wondersoul. Uh, if you'd like to um, contact us and tell us any of your thoughts on any of the things that we talked about in today's episode, uh, if you have any um, corrections or any input on uh, any of the college football topics that we discuss, or if you guys want to give us some insight on what you guys are looking forward to in this uh, 2018 college football season, you can email Wondersoul at wondersoul at gmail.com. Um, and other than that, I think that should be about it. So until the next episode on Bearded Buddha, uh, thank you again, Grant. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on. And this was another episode of of Wonder Soul. So do good and take care and peace. I'll talk to you guys later. That's why I don't read the news. It's garbage. And the editor that wrote the thing, he's garbage. Got guys on my back about scheduling saying it's too tough. Well, guess what? It's Division One football. It's the SEC. Heck, you pledged, didn't you? Go play in the murals, brother. Go play in the